0: it's hal anderson thanks for checking out the daily podcast for my show connecting winnipeg and if you can please listen live weekdays from 10 to noon on 680 cjob
1: it's tough to recall these moments um i think most I, I felt like i was alone and there was nothing i could do and nobody i could turn
0: to for help kyle beach coming forward yesterday after that, the release of that report in Chicago, a former uh, Blackhawk. And uh, it was heartbreaking. It was almost a half-hour interview, and uh, it was difficult to watch. My heart broke uh, for Kyle Beach, uh, who had a lot to say.
1: I was scared, mostly. I was fearful. I had
0: had my career threatened. I felt alone and dark. One of our big stories this morning that we're following, of course, also we're talking about what happened yesterday at Seven Oaks Hospital. We'll get to that uh, in a few minutes, but we continue now with the Kyle Beach interview.
2: Kyle Beach appeared on TSN Sports Center, identifying himself as the first accuser of former Blackhawks video coach Brad Aldrich. He'd been named John Doe 1 in court documents related to the sexual assault in 2010. Beach is from North Vancouver and was selected 11th overall in the 2008 draft by Chicago. However, he'd never played in the NHL, but practiced regularly with the team in case the team needed a replacement if a player became injured. An independent review by an outside law firm commissioned by the team in response to two lawsuits stretched into several corners of the nhl on tuesday finding the blackhawks two million dollars for quote the organization's inadequate internal procedures and insufficient and untimely response aaron Newbell's global news
0: obviously lots of reaction to this and i want to hear your reaction uh if you saw the interview with kyle beach let me know your thoughts at 204 780 6868 by text or you can email me Hal at CJOB.com. As we go along here this morning on Connecting Winnipeg, here's what Sheldon Kennedy had to say.
3: We
4: spend so much time trying to tell people to, um, you know, to come forward and tell your story and talk, talk, talk. Meanwhile, uh, when it falls on death's ears, um, you know, that's almost more impactful for the victims than the actual incident itself. No
0: kidding. Here we are more than a decade later, and finally... Kyle Beach is being heard. The courage it took to speak up and then to have nothing come of it. Uh, and now, hopefully, hopefully, um, something will come of it. And obviously, uh, things are different now. Still, we, we've come a long way. Still not where we need to be. Um, but I can't imagine this happening today in twenty. 21 maybe i'm wrong you let me know what you think 204 780 or hal at com. this is espn i'm just giving you some reaction to what kyle beach had, uh, said yesterday here's espn's greg wischinsky i feel like
4: in 2010 he's not saying a word um because he doesn't think that the community would have his back or would understand what happened to him Um, And I think he's kept it inside for over a decade for that very reason, right? So I take some heart in the idea that it's toxic, and make no mistake, it is toxic, that hockey culture can be. I think as a community, we've gotten to a place where we can support people and make people feel more comfortable that they can come out and say these things and know that we're going to have their back.
0: Let's hope. Uh, let's hope. Our question of the day the start put this up. Matt Klink, McGarry and McNabb on their show this morning. Here's the question of the day. Please go and vote at CGOB.com and then let me know your thoughts again by text or email. Winnipeg Jets GM Kevin Sheveldayoff is scheduled to meet with NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman on Monday. Do we need to hear from him and the club before that? So far you're voting 69% no to that question. 31% say yes. You'd like to hear more before Chevaldayoff meets with Betman on Monday. Local reaction, hockey analyst John
3: Shannon. Obviously, the seriousness of what went on in Chicago uh, 11 years ago, uh, how the management team of the Blackhawks, starting with President and CEO John McDonough, uh, handled the situation. Um, Kevin had, had Kevin Sheveldayoff has admitted that he was in one of the meetings, uh, that uh, this discussion occurred. Um, and whether he's complicit will be a decision I guess the commissioner will have to be made. Uh, they will probably be getting a little more detail from the report that was issued in Chicago on Tuesday uh, before the uh, the meeting with uh, Day off on Monday. So it'll be interesting. It's, I think it's too early to decide one way or the other whether and what he knew. It's the classic case of Watergate in 1974 is what did he know and when did he know it?
0: John Shannon. Uh, text message here at 204-780-6868. Hal, I listened to the interview with Kyle. It was heartbreaking. It sure was. Man, that was it was tough to watch. Um, anyhow, back to the text. Everyone involved in the Blackhawks' former management, including our GM. And not everybody's going to... Well, I'll give you my thoughts on that in a second. I'll just read the text here. <laughs> read the text, Hal. You asked for them, now read them. Former management... Um, everyone involved in the Blackhawks' former management, including our GM, has lost all trust and should be fired and not allowed to work in the NHL anymore. Their cover-up and lies allowed a predator to continue victimizing others. I will say this. um, I personally want to wait and and see what comes of the meeting with Bettman and and Shovel Dayoff. I think my thoughts on this have changed a little bit since yesterday. I do think maybe the meeting should happen before Monday. It feels like, like there's there should be more urgency to this. But I, I am prepared to wait and see. Uh, wait and see what comes of that meeting between Shovel Dayoff, and, and Bettman. This is a horrible situation. I mean, let me just play a couple more clips here of Kyle Beach. Just listen Listen to the anguish in his voice and the words he says. Didn't know what
1: to do. As a 20 year old, I would never dream or you could never imagine being put in this situation by somebody that's supposed to be there to help you and to make you a better hockey player.
0: Didn't know what to do. He, 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 he said, I need, this is what's happening. I need help. And nothing was done. And here we are more than a decade later. And then the part of the interview that just, ugh, it was so, so heartbreaking. My mom cried
1: for days. She felt responsible. She felt like she should have protected me.
0: You know, Kyle is a survivor in this, but the impact on everyone, you talked about his girlfriend and how she's been there for him, the impact on everyone's lives around him, just really, really difficult. 1017, as we shift for now from Kyle Beach to this stabbing incident at Seven Oaks Hospital yesterday, we've been telling you that police have announced there will be a news conference at noon. I can now tell you that we will carry that live. Live at noon today, Winnipeg Police will hold a news conference. And here's what their release said a few minutes ago in an email. Uh, noon today. Winnipeg Police Service Headquarters, Seven Oaks Hospital Assault and Related Incidents. Uh, Corporal Julie Korshane of the RCMP will be in attendance. So there's, we haven't got a lot of details on this. But it would seem there's more going on here and we'll find out at noon. And again, we'll carry it live here on CJOB. Global News reporter Joe Scarpelli reported on the incident at Seven Oaks Hospital yesterday. This way.
2: A staff member was the victim of what's been described as a serious assault while on the job at 7 Oaks Hospital. This staff member was taken for treatment in unstable condition. The attack took place in the atrium at around 2:30. The WRHA says, Our staff and leadership are devastated by this incident, and our hearts and healing thoughts are with the victim and their family, as well as with all employees and patients at Seven Oaks. Meanwhile, in the hours following the attack, police could be seen turning people away from the front doors and speaking to people. Although the hospital is still operating, we're told security has been beefed up. Visiting hours are being suspended for a 24-hour period except for end-of-life situations, with the Layla entrance closed until Thursday. The urgent care center and other entrances are still open. Many details of this attack remain unknown, but we're hoping to learn more as this investigation unfolds. Joe Scarpelli, Global News. And
0: as I said, we will learn more at noon today when we cover that Winnipeg Police RCMP news conference live right here on CJOB. So jets at noon will be bumped for the news conference. uh, mike nader is the ceo of the winnipeg regional health authority and this morning on the start with mac link mcgarry and McNabb, he did not have many more details to share
4: we're um all really shocked and devastated by the uh, this incident and uh, you know our hearts and prayers are with our, our our staff member and their family as well as the employees and patients at seven oaks uh, i was at the site last night uh, there till about uh, 10 o'clock um and visiting with uh, patients and staff. And, um, you know, I have to tell you, I'm just uh, amazed by um, the extraordinary courage, um, compassion and selflessness that I've experienced with our staff members and what they were displaying. As you can imagine, um, healthcare care workers every day uh, are there at the front line and responding to, um, to incidents, emergencies and things of that nature. But it's a very different situation when the person that you're looking down upon is uh, a co-worker and someone that you work worked beside for, for many, many years. We're working with the, the police service. There's not a lot of information available. Um, our attention has really been focused on um, supporting uh, our staff and, and patients. Um, so the, the police uh, are continuing their investigation. Uh, as I said, they were there late into the evening last night. I, I don't have a lot more information about the incident itself. Uh, or the parties involved. Um, obviously, I can't share a lot of information for privacy reasons. So the, the hospital is open and continues to operate, although we've um, closed some entrances uh, while we're we're dealing with the situation. Uh, we made the decision yesterday to suspend visitation at Seven Oaks for, for 24 hours. Um, we'll reassess as we move forward. Uh, of course, uh, the exception for that is um, end-of-life situations where um, family members uh, need to come in and visit their loved ones. So... Uh, we will reassess today as um, as we, uh, you know, reopen the hospital and get things moving forward. Um, you know, the safety of, of staff and patients, of course, is top of mind for us. And so we've added uh, additional security uh, to ensure that the hospital is safe and secure for everyone.
0: Mike Nader, CEO of the WRHA. And as he was wrapping up the interview this morning with MacLink, McGarry and McNabb on the start here on CJOB, uh, he asked to make one more comment one more statement say something else and i think this was the most important thing that he said and i want to play it for you now and and highlight it here so that you hear it clearly you know
4: the the pandemic has been uh just extraordinarily stressful for uh, our community and i really wanted to take an opportunity just to remind everyone who's listening that you know our, our healthcare staff have been the individuals that have been on the front lines fighting the virus and caring for all of us for the past two years. And these individuals are individuals who are having to deal with all of the, the issues that we all deal with every day in their personal lives. And then they come to their professional work and they are, uh, you know, putting themselves in harm's way to take care of people. And they are exhausted and they continue to sacrifice so much. And yet they still put the care of patients, clients and residents above everything else. And and right now, more than ever, um, our healthcare workers need and deserve the compassion, patience and kindness from our community. And they have every right to feel respected and safe and that the community values their service and supports them. And, you know, early on in the pandemic, there were, um, you know, people who would stand outside of their homes with pots and pans and banging them. And and there was a, a great... Um, expression of support for healthcare workers and, and something has been lost along the way um, and i just i just really wanted to put that plea out to the community because these folks are very stressed they're dealing with extraordinary pressures um, and and this has been a very challenging time for them
0: something has been lost and he's right and now this and we don't know the details of the incident. We don't know, and we'll find out at noon today when we carry that Winnipeg Police uh, RCMP News Conference live uh, at noon here on CGOB. We'll find out more. We'll, we'll get the details. But this really is, you know, just one more horrible thing to be added on to our hard-working health care workers after everything that they have been through. So again... Um, This story, the incident at Seven Oaks, and Kyle Beach coming forward yesterday. Those are our two big stories here. And again, we'll have the news conference live at noon. And I continue to get your text messages and emails on the Kyle Beach story. Let me read a couple here right now for you. 204-780-6868. Tris says, Hal, I watched the interview with Kyle last night. I was in tears listening to him. I just wanted to go hug him and tell him how brave he is for coming forward. And I hope he knows that a lot of people are sending him love and support. It was heartbreaking to listen to his story. It was, Trish. It was just terrible. And here we, and here we are, you know, so many years later. And then Todd says how the sad truth is Blackhawks management was more concerned with winning a cup and protecting their own career trajectories than the welfare of that young man. Absolutely despicable the worst truth the worst truth is uh that it would probably still happen in 2021 gosh i i hope you're wrong about that todd and then todd goes on to say maybe the only difference is that social media is a stronger force now and the likelihood of burying something is less trish todd everybody else thank you for your text messages and emails we'll get to more as we go along here this morning i don't think we think a lot about winnipeg um you know um with some of the world's best water skiers but we we have some great water skiers here like taryn grant as we speak as i play this interview back that i had the other day with taryn grant she is taking part in her second last tournament of the year in florida And Taryn has a gold medal around her neck. Take a listen to my chat with Taryn the other day.
5: Good morning, Hal. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thank you for doing this. And congratulations on gold at the World Water Ski Wakeboard Championships. Tell us about that.
5: Thank you. Yeah, um, it was a great event. I was very excited to be able to represent Canada and be on the canadian national water ski team um, at the world championships i uh, skied two events slalom and jump and had my scores um, contribute to the team overall score which helped bring canada home the gold medal
0: and you get scored in a few different things right like i know you did well in slalom and jump tell us about how this works
5: sure so the each country has a team of six athletes and um three scores from each country so the three top scores in each event there's three events slalom trick and jump Mm -hmm. so the top three scores in each event get combined and added together for an overall team score and um the best overall score at the end of the event at the end of the tournament wins
0: cool you're in orlando now you've got two tournaments left one in florida and then one in mexico next month and then what do you do during the off season
5: um, come the off season, I'll take a little break from on water training, but I'll, I'll still be training off water, just getting ready for the next season. I'm, I am motivated as ever to, to get back on the water and to come back stronger and stronger next season as well. So I'm excited for this off season to just work on, work on my off water training and then getting back on the water, um, and just working on technique, getting ready for the next season.
0: Well, and I wanted to ask you about that. You know, you're you're from Manitoba. Uh, your off-season is much different than an off-season uh, for uh, a skier, say, in Florida, where you are now, right? I mean, uh, the water freezes over, and so I would imagine you're at a disadvantage being from here. Am I right about that?
5: <laughs> yeah, so growing up, um, I stayed in Manitoba and had to... I played hockey, actually, in the oh, off-season. Really? So <laughs> the, summer, the summer was for water skiing, and the winter was for hockey. Um, and then as I got older, I actually went to college in Louisiana, which helped um, helped with my skiing because I could ski all year round. And since I've graduated from college this past December, um, I've been able to stay in the States and just work on um work on my skiing and it's, it's been really great being able to ski all year round, uh, in a warmer climate where, where the water isn't frozen. (laughs) Um, so being able to ski and have coaching all year round has been, um, very beneficial for me.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: I know water ski wakeboard Manitoba is really proud of you. You started in, um, that organization's grassroots program and now here you are one of the top competitors in the world—that's really amazing.
5: Yeah, it's it is pretty special. Um, I've been part of Water Ski Wakeboard Manitoba since I was since I can remember. Really, I was part of their um, development program, and then I moved up and onto the provincial team. And then as I got older, I actually, uh, along with my brother Cole Grant, um, we helped coach the provincial team um, as well. So Waterski Ski Wakeboard Manitoba is such a that's a big part of my athletic career.
0: You mentioned you went to university. I mean, I imagine this is something you can do your entire life competitively. When do you want it to end? And and what will you do uh, when you grow up, uh, Taryn?
5: Um, <laughs> good question. Um, <laughs> what I love about water skiing is that it's it's really a family sport. So mm-hmm. we have. I mean, I got started when I was little with my family. Um, I was on the water when I was. I don't know, four, three or four, maybe. Um, and then we have seniors skiing at world championships and Pan Am championships still as well. So it's a sport that you can do for as as long as you really want, really. And, um, I'm not sure exactly what my timeline looks like at the moment. I'm, I'm motivated and I'm wanting to push forward and, and see where water skiing can take me. Um, but I also I do have a, a job as well to to help finance everything and to to give me something to do when I'm not at the lake and when I'm not on the water. So um I'm actually uh work for a marketing firm. I'm a mm. social media coordinator and uh, I mean <laughs> I guess when when the skiing stops I'll be I'll be looking to yeah. settle down somewhere and um start start my career
0: sure taryn nice to meet you and I'm, I'm glad i'm able to shine a light on a sport that probably doesn't get a lot of attention here in, in winnipeg and manitoba congrats again
5: great thank you very much for having me i i greatly appreciate it
0: taryn grant winnipeg water skier and part of canada's gold medal win at the recent world water ski wakeboard championships and taking part starting today in her second last tournament of the season and then One more in Mexico. Love to talk about excellence in Winnipeg and Manitoba. We are into the final half hour here of the Thursday edition of Connecting Winnipeg. Hal Anderson here. Glad you're uh, with us. And uh, don't forget, coming up at noon, we'll carry that Winnipeg Police News Conference live uh, we'll get some more details on that stabbing uh, incident, that attack at Seven Oaks Hospital yesterday. We're going to talk with Carolyn Class and hear about that in just a second. And we're also going to talk with Carolyn about Kyle Beach.
3: My
1: mom cried for days. She felt responsible. She felt like she should have protected me.
0: Former player at the heart of the Chicago Blackhawks sexual assault scandal. He came forward yesterday, the North Vancouver native, Kyle Beach told TSN he felt alone and dark in the days following the alleged sexual assault by an assistant coach in 2010. Earlier this week, a report detailed how senior team leaders badly mishandled Beach's allegations. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman will meet with Winnipeg Jets GM Kevin Cheveldayoff on Monday. Uh, dayoff was with the Blackhawks when the allegations were first reported to Team Leadership, Carolyn. Uh, good morning. I'm sorry we're starting with such a heavy subject here, but it's an important one. Thanks a lot for doing this. That clip there, where where Kyle talks about his mom crying for days, the interview on TSN is almost a half hour long, and it's tough. It it, it is really difficult. And uh, but that few seconds there, that just uh, broke my heart.
6: Doesn't it, though, the courage that Kyle Beach has to come forward and speak about his experience and the lack of support and the painful feelings after have just given voice and have validated the the crazy-making feelings when a person goes through that sort of experience and feels really lonely and isolated. They just sort of assume that it's only them. And as Kyle came forward and spoke so bravely and clearly about Um, the experience and the pain after it just gave voice and understanding and compassion to so many others who thought I was the only one. And now I know that somebody else feels like I have felt for many years. And I, I just really appreciate, I can only imagine how much that interview would have taken out of him Uh, and he was willing to do it and it will make a difference in many people's
0: lives. Well, and willing to do it, after not being heard right the first time and uh i mean there's so many things i want to ask you about here you mentioned courage absolutely that took courage for him to step forward in the first place a decade ago and then now to to do that interview and and to step forward and say i'm kyle beach and it happened to me and to now uh, uh talk about that um i mean that's the good to come from this right carolyn is that it's getting so much attention And it's sending the right message to people out there who who maybe haven't talked about what they've been through like this.
6: Yes, I think people are horrified, which is a normal reaction by a normal person to a horrifying situation. And I think as we notice our reactions, what that does is it primes us then for the next young fellow who comes along and tells somebody, this is what happened to me, and people remember this time and say, okay, and people do better actions moving forward. And I, we have to get better at this. And Kyle is giving us a really important uh, teaching lessons that we can all carry with us so that people decide to do things different and other people don't have to carry this incredible burden that he has carried for the last decade, that we don't have to do this to somebody else.
0: Talk about the guilt. That, that uh, my heart, I felt terrible for kyle i mean obviously for kyle he went through it but when he talked about his mom crying for days right and this isn't just you know one person's not affected it's you know he talked about the support of his girlfriend and his mom crying for days all the people in his life that were impacted and the guilt right the guilt that his mom she should not feel it but she does feel it
6: well i think you know uh, you know, I am a mom, I'm a mom to adult sons and my mom, uh, you know, protectiveness kicks in. I'm still a mama bear when I hear that my kids are hurt, right? And we wonder what what could we have done differently as our way we could have influenced it? because we just hate to see our kids being hurt. What I think was beautiful as he talks about the support of people in his family is that so often when people come in to work through abuse with me, um, the most important question is less about what actually happened in the assault. But the, I think the most critical question that matters in terms of people moving forward well or having trouble after is who did you tell and what did they do when you told them? And so we heard about how the hockey um, establishment wasn't as supportive in the way they we wish they would have been, but his family was there for them and he could see that it bothered his family and he could see that what his hurt mattered to them, and he could experience their support. And I love that he had that. And those big feelings that his mom had, I wish she didn't have to feel guilt. And it's, it's a very powerful sign of the ripple effects of abuse, that it affects more than just the person that was in the room. It affects their whole system of sphere of influence. But the fact that she was so impacted must have felt like huge support in a world where he would have felt very isolated in the hockey community.
0: Mm-hmm. Kyle's words, alone and dark. That's how he felt. Um, I think it's important here uh, to point out, Carolyn, and and I understand those feelings, uh, but it's important to point out that there is support and help uh, for people that go through what Kyle went through, right? They aren't alone. They may feel that way, but there is support. There's help for them. There are people who will listen, and and they can be heard.
6: Yes. It's so hard to tell your story and often people wanna hide it because they wonder, is there a way that could I've done something differently? Is there a way I brought this on myself? What will people think of me? There's this shame that where people assign a meaning to the assault that says something bad about themselves and so it's so hard to reach out and tell people. But I think it's really important to reach out and tell people so that you can process that and develop a healthy understanding of what happened and be able to work through that with support of other people, support of family, friends, um, if there was an institution that it happened so that they know and they can take action, that you get help of a therapist, that you reach out and you talk to another person's experience. And, you know, as people are listening today and they're affected by what Kyle has said, it doesn't matter if it happened decades ago. It still matters and you still get to talk about it and you still have a chance to work through it because it's, it, if it impacts you, it matters. Uh, and so, you know, I didn't just encourage listeners to say, it's okay to pick up a phone and tell somebody, uh, can I come over and talk to you about this thing? It, it's important for me to share this with somebody. Um, what I heard about Kyle matters uh, to me in a particular personal way. And, uh, yeah, I just need to unpack it. Um, that you pick somebody wise and careful and you can do that and that uh, people want to be there for people who are struggling with this stuff
0: and i'll just say this that if anybody out there listening ever uh needs a a phone number of somebody who can support them or they need a website anything that that help is out there um i mean even carolyn connects his counseling.ca right like don't be afraid to reach out and know that I am here for you uh, and your text messages and emails, and however you need to contact me. If you need help, I want to hear from you and I want to hook you up with the right people. I want to connect you with the right people. And it's important that you know there there is help. There are people that care and want to hear your story and want to help you work through it. And that's, you know, I'll say this about Carolyn. Carolyn comes on once a week. She she takes time researching what we're going to talk about and she comes on to help you, to try and uh and and be there for you on on the stuff that we talk about. Carolyn doesn't get paid, and I know how important it is to Carolyn when she hears back from you. And and I tell her, hey, I I heard from so and so, and and here's what they said. And this conversation really meant a lot to them. So just know there there is help out there. You've answered my questions, Carolyn. What else would you want to say as a as a therapist about this situation? Because I'm sure. Uh, you are the expert and, and you may have some thoughts that, that I haven't asked you about.
6: Well, I think there's something really powerful about Kyle Beach coming forward um, with his story of sexual abuse. You know, he implies that, talks about how the way it was dealt with in the locker room um, was with a lot of snickers and side-eye. And there it's really hard for a man to come forward to say, I was abused sexually. Um, and there, there has been a history of, not understanding power differential um, and understanding. And so when I have had men come forward with experiences of sexual abuse, it's taken this extra level of courage because they assume that it's just something very powerful and negative about their strength, their own sense of inner courage or something. It's just something really bad about them that they were victimized. And I love that there's this strong athlete who says, yes, this happened to me and that other men can say, Maybe it wasn't because it was my fault that I wasn't strong enough um, and that I don't have to buy into some of those stereotypes that say men can't be sexually abused. Um, There must have been something else about it. So I just I think that Kyle has opened up the door to a whole nother level of conversation. And I just hope that we can continue this in the days, weeks, months, years to come.
0: Me too. Um, I want to talk about what happened at Seven Oaks Hospital yesterday. We're going to get details in our news conference at noon. Winnipeg Police are holding a news, a news conference. RCMP are going to be there, and there are related incidents to what happened at Seven Oaks yesterday that we're going to learn about in this news conference live here on CGOB coming up in about uh, 15 minutes. But I did want to play for you a clip that I played at the start of the show, Carolyn. This is the CEO of the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority. Take a listen to this, and then we'll talk about it.
4: You know the the pandemic has been uh, just extraordinarily stressful for uh, our community, and I really wanted to take an opportunity just to remind everyone who's listening that you know our, our healthcare staff have been the individuals that have been on the front lines fighting the virus and caring for all of us for the past two years. And These individuals are individuals who are having to deal with all of the the issues that we all deal with every day in their personal lives. And then they come to their professional work and they are you know, putting themselves in harm's way to take care of people. And they are exhausted and they continue to sacrifice so much. And yet they still put the care of patients, clients and residents above everything else. And and right now, more than ever. Um, our healthcare workers need and deserve the compassion, patience, and kindness from our community, and they have every right to feel respected and safe, and that the community values their service and supports them. And you know, early on in the pandemic, there were, um, you know, people who would stand outside of their homes with pots and pans and banging them, and and there was a, a great um, expression of support for healthcare workers. And, and something has been lost along the way. Um and I just I just really wanted to put that plea out to the community because these folks are very stressed. They're dealing with extraordinary pressures um and, and this has been a very challenging time for them.
0: Carolyn, the line that stuck out for me is something has been lost along the way. Um, and we'll get the details of this specific incident. It's it, it is about that incident, but it's not. It's about the difficult year and a half that healthcare workers have had and the stuff they've had to deal with, and then now this—you know, it, 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 where they work, where they are passionate about what they do—it's—it's it's just really difficult.
6: Yes, healthcare workers have always understood, and I've worked um, for many years in a hospital as well. So we have—we have always understood that we encounter people at. The most difficult and stressful moments of their lives when they're in healthcare crisis, they are their family members. And so we know that we are catching people at really hard moments. And so they will often offload their stress and fear in the form of anger onto healthcare workers. No healthcare worker goes is in healthcare for very long before they know that that's a part of the job is to absorb some of that extra energy. But that also then creates a vulnerable, vulnerability as you're trying to provide good healthcare that you have these moments where you feel really exposed and you don't know how it's going to escalate. And it's gotten a whole lot worse during these last 18 months with COVID, where you can't fight a virus, you can't punch a virus, but you can um, offload it onto a healthcare worker that stress and anxiety that you off, can't offload directly onto the virus. And so it's become very stressful for healthcare workers as they're working 15 hour shifts and as they are exposing themselves to risk and as they worry about their kids at home. And so I just loved his reminder to all of us that they need our care and compassion as they are trying to do good work, taking care of those of us that need healthcare.
0: And you know, it, it's, it's healthcare. We talk a lot on on the show here on Thursdays with you about kindness, Right and uh and gratitude and in those words that we that often come up in our conversation and we're talking healthcare because of what happened at Seven Oaks. But, you know, I talked last week, I think it was about a couple of surveys where restaurant workers are, are leaving that industry and, and not just because they're not getting paid enough, but because they're having to deal with hostility from customers, right? We just need to be more kind to one another. We need to understand that whatever the profession and boy, healthcare workers are at the top of the list, but whatever the profession, um, Everybody is dealing with extra stress because of the pandemic, and we just need to treat each other with more love and care and kindness.
6: Yes. As we all feel the stress and the distress of the pandemic, if we are not aware of it and mindful of it and transform that pain and distress into something meaningful, we are doomed to transmit it, and we are seeing far too much transmission of that pain onto healthcare workers, onto frontline service workers in retail or whatever. That's not okay. We have to be mindful of what we're feeling and make sure that we take care of it in a way that we don't offload it onto other people in ways that are unacceptable.
0: Heavy day, heavy stuff, Carolyn, but I'm glad you were here with uh, to talk with us about it. I appreciate it. Take care. Carolyn Klassen, Connexus Counseling, connexuscounseling.ca. Quick text message here as we head to a break at 1149. How my wife is 11 hours into a 16-hour shift right now. How long... Can we keep squeezing every last drop of life out of these people? We need more people and more pay, more everything. How have we gone a year and a half into a global pandemic and still not come around to realizing their value? If we have to raise taxes to pay these heroes their just wage, then I say good. Yes, let's do it.